Welcome back to Albus Explains. I'm Albus and let's begin. What is the nature of a sacrifice? I am not equipped to answer a deeper question as this, nor is this a discourse. This is a feeble attempt by a fellow human trying to make sense of this universe and our place in it, if there is one. However, this does not absolve me of a responsibility, a standard I hold for myself very strictly, to be chucked out of the window just because I couldn't think of a better argument in favor for or against this particular tangle. Nevertheless, let's begin. There is a ritual which I am sure all Hindus you know of do it. If you are a Hindu yourself, you might have done it yourself. After a puja of any kind is done, a coconut is is broken with a single blow to the ground and the liquid is thrown all over everyone present. This is a very auspicious thing to do and if the coconut is broken in a single blow, it is applauded as it is frankly a difficult thing to get right. Anyway, I sat to wonder what the purpose behind it was. Soon I realized that this line of inquiry led me to answers like, it has been this way for generations or because it is a very shubh thing to do without explaining why it was shubh. The thought left my brain just as suddenly as it had entered. Many years later, recently, I was browsing the images from Himachal Pradesh for my study. A memory of a time when I visited there many years ago just popped into my head. It was a school trip and we visited the Hidimba Mandir as part of our trip to the northern states of India. It was past 7 in the evening so I could so I could not get a good look of the structure of the temple from the outside. Made out of black stone or wood I could not grasp. Just above the entrance to the grove of the temple, outside there were scores of skulls of animals. It ranged from gigantic yaks to buffaloes to goats, even smaller ones of chickens. And it was scary for the 14-year-olds, including me. The entire atmosphere around the temple was of solemnity and quiet. No one made loud noises. No one was laughing loudly. And everyone went inside to pray, then exited quietly and quickly. There were close to 200 people there, but it felt closer to 20. The night wasn't helping either, giving the entire area a sense of not belonging to this world. When I was in the line of students to enter the temple, I was still scanning the ceiling outside, enthralled by the skulls. There was something numinous about it. I could not see them directly out of fear, nor I could snatch my gaze away from it. I was secretly hoping and also dreading to find a human there too. I entered the temple through a small hole-like entryway, which was the only entry and exit point in the whole structure. I squished my way inside and it was surprisingly roomy. My gaze flew upwards to find the roof of the temple and I saw the hook with a long rope on the ceiling. The lion was very eager to get out of the temple and so within hardly a few minutes I was again on the outside with the empty eye sockets of the skulls gazing back to me. I returned from my memory trip just in time to find an old picture of the Hidimba temple from the 1860s. A big white bull stood at the entrance of the temple and scores of people stood around it all the way up the cliff where it was situated. The place was cleared of trees and there was and it was daytime and a sort of fair was arranged there with the ferris wheels and everything. 
I learned more about the surroundings of that temple from that old image than from the actual visit to that place when I was there. There was no light around and it looked just dark in all directions except the lighted path from which we had came. Here I got a better picture literally of how that place was. In the caption of that image it was written sacrifice of a bull to Mahidimba. Then there was a postscript which explained that humans were sacrificed here and strung up inside the temple for visitors to come and move them against the rock as a ritual. Since those times the size of the animals got smaller then eventually plants and then they sacrificed pumpkins then eventually coconuts. In the far eastern part of India the shaktism or shak parampara is very strongly followed. In fact the highest or strongest of the shakti peet of ma sati is in Assam in the temple of Kamakya Devi Mandir. As the story goes different parts of her body were scattered all over India and the yoni of ma sati fell into that place. And the sat of that place is so strong that the yoni bleeds during its monthly menstrual cycles and during those days the temple is kept closed. Also this sat has enlightened the people there who are far more comfortable to talk on these subjects which are considered rather sensitive in other parts of the country. It is less of a desensitization less of desensitizing the people to disgust of it but rather acknowledgement that this facet of life is natural and inevitable and ignoring or shunning it is merely running head first into brick walls. In this temple weekly and monthly sacrifices of goats and other animals are done the technical word for it is bali and it is the case for so many temples in india which have a history of bali going back centuries or even longer blood and gore are not the focus of it rather the entire focus is serving ma a sacrifice the concept is a sacrifice given to ma will better the future it is more of a transactional ritual than something that you have taken at face value it is not just dedicated to ma kali even though she is the main deity to whom sacrifices are made to nor ma hidimba who is more of a gram devi of himachal pradesh for more than a thousand years and the temple itself is around 5 centuries old it is the basic tenet of praying to any goddess which necessitates a sacrifice Even in Jain influenced Gujarat and Rajasthan where animal sacrifices even more valued the temples regularly see sacrifices by Rajputs who still have Kshatriya blood in them here goats are sacrificed on Dashera after Navratri the concept of sacrifice is also prevalent at village levels here there are legends that whenever a drought or a famine comes or the baudi that is the well is rendered empty a young couple walks into it and the problem is solved there is something tribal and primitive in this but the couple itself doesn't feel forced nor are they actually forced in fact if a forced couple is sacrificed then the transaction backfires and all villages in india are attuned to this fact so a great care is taken when this is done and mostly as a last resort too but whenever it is done the people do it willingly Now if i say that human sacrifice has always been a prevalent ritual in the indian subcontinent i would be wrong ahimsa is a virtue long held very highly by thinkers ancient contemporary and everyone in between even ashokan edits provide proofs of that 
but a sacrifice is still a very real phenomenon we can safely eliminate human sacrifices or purusha med from being literal but not for animal sacrifices the psychology of a sacrifice is very visceral it feels very real and consequential and is probably necessary for the society ranging from mere delayed satisfaction to all the way to human sacrifices balidan is a very core part of the psyche of the people one of the many reasons that the people of this subcontinent have a saving mindset rather than a spending mindset is bali sacrifice of the present for a better future is ingrained in the culture for that to happen though a deal must be made with the future which is imagined in the roop of makali it could be anything a student wasting his youth in studies for a better future for himself and his family is not so different than any other type of sacrifice it is a sacrifice of self let me explain the roop of makali is ferocious she is unapologetically wild she embodies crueler aspects of the nature like being surrounded by a ring of fire fire is another luminous thing just like a skull is it is not very pleasant to look at but the gaze ends up there anyway as it is the source of light and warmth and it is constantly moving that is embodied in her she wears a garland of skulls or heads which means that she is not unaware of death she causes death to others she is death she is washed by blood of her enemies which is peculiar because the red color in clothes is usually very pleasing to look at but the direct image of blood reminds us of our own mortality to which every woman is acutely made aware of every month and so they handle it much more efficiently i believe she is without clothes it symbolizes the wildness of nature itself and the only clothes she has are covers made from the limbs of evil enemies who stood no chance in front of her she holds every weapon imaginable in multiple arms symbolizing the different ways that you can die she symbolizes everything bad that nature can do to you and what is the solution to that sacrifices and if you are lucky and she accepts your sacrifice then you get to see the benevolent side of nature in madurga she is smiling rather than the angry face of kali she is beautiful just like nature is beautiful she cares for you gives you nutrition just like nature she gives birth to things just like nature does she embodies the good side of the feminine the kali durga duality aspect of every feminine is placated by sacrifice and it is not limited to ma shakti but also extends to ma lakshmi who comes with her own negative side called a lakshmi she brings poverty and misery wherever she goes as a stark contrast to ma lakshmi in fact the lemon and chili hanging done on doors and vehicles of hindu homes is a prayer to ma lakshmi done unknowingly this does not mean that there is a hierarchy in the divinity of these feminine roots in fact this is embracing of all aspects of human life nature can be cruel and unyielding but if you give enough sacrifices nature can provide you with things no one else can this means that both sides of nature must be prayed to or in other words be reminded of because if we forget about the horrible side of nature we can forget the way to come out of its talents if we forget to sacrifice then ma durga will not incarnate 
and nature will devour us very close to the sunk cost fallacy sacrifices once made also embolden the faith of a person once you have sacrificed for something or someone it may be anything you will have put effort and time or basically value into that thing thus increasing its value for yourself this is another reason that religions that have sacrifices in them sustain longer due to the faith of the people who protect it they have sacrificed so much for it that they will fight more fiercely to protect it while those who don't won't and it is not limited to religions only any aspect of your life that which you have sacrificed for will automatically become of high value a student who has sacrificed sacrificed his play time will study harder and hence get better grades now you may argue that there is there was no direct causation but there was just not an obvious one the ritual i spoke of in the beginning is a representation of animal sacrifice at the most rudimentary level the coconut water sprayed on everyone around represents exactly what you think it represents and this jarring shift in my world view was aided by mahidimba i don't intend to bring back animal sacrifices into the mainstream of hinduism if there is such a thing i just wanted to share a different side a rather hidden side of the thing i love dearly i used to be a vocal opponent of the mass sacrifice done during the gadimai festival in nepal but now i am not so loud it still aches me to see a creature die but now when the people who have been following that festival that ritual for millennia are told not to do so that too by the state it's too it too feels wrong would i be able to do an animal sacrifice myself probably yes or would i do it probably no i do sacrifices all the time without realizing its psychology every single time sometimes my sacrifices work sometimes they go nowhere but after learning all this my internal conflict has now been at least realized at least a bit realized what about you